at the Gold City Gem Mine in Franklin, North Carolina, customers can pay a small fee of money for a bucket of dirt out of the mine. And the dirt contains rocks that are usually worthless, the joy of treasure hunting, and occasionally a real gemstone. Um, in July 1995, an eight-year-old boy named Graham McMurray um, paid for just such one of those buckets of dirt. And his bucket didn't appear to have any kind of hidden treasure in it. But one of the rocks he held onto just because he liked the shape of it. But when one of the saleswomen from the jewelry store at the mine saw that rock, she asked if she could take a little bit closer look at it. And when she did, um, as it turned out after further review, it, it was discovered that that rock was a 1,104 carat sapphire that was worth $45,000. Everyone loves a good treasure story, right? Well, that's why the, the story of the, the discovery of the book of the law during the reign of King Josiah in the temple in Jerusalem is, is as good as they come. Because the word of God is a treasure that is invaluable. Invaluable. So uh, we've got you most up to speed with the backstory here. Let's just, we'll just draw the dots now. So, so we start with Solomon, and after Solomon, the kingdom splits. And as you saw, most of the kings no longer followed the Lord, even the kings of the nation of Judah, who are going to be part of the line of the Savior of Jesus. Uh, many of them turned away from the Lord, followed other gods. The worst of them, maybe the worst one, was Manasseh. Manasseh became king when he was 12 years old. He ruled for 55 years. And he reinstated and reintroduced every form of idol worship known to man. I just showed you a little chunk of it. He, um, he filled the nation with idol worship. He put, you know that temple and how picky God was about how holy that temple needed to be. He put an Asherah pole in the temple, right? Only certain people could go in the temple certain places at certain times. He put an Asherah pole in the temple. And he sacrificed his son in the fire to Molech. He filled Jerusalem with blood. When he died, his son, Ammon, who was 22 years old, became king. And two years later, and he's just as evil as, as, as Manasseh. And Ammon is assassinated two years later when he's 24. So his eight-year-old son, Josiah, becomes king. Now, that kid had a messed up childhood, didn't he? His father, he, he was, when he was born, when Josiah was born, his father, Ammon, was 16 years old. So Josiah, little Josiah, is raised in the palace of his evil grandpa, Manasseh. So he's raised in that environment where Manasseh is sacrificing children to the fire. That's where little Josiah is, is raised. So he maybe, you know, I don't know if he's one that survived. Um, but then when he's six years old, his grandpa dies, his father becomes king, reigns for two years, just as evil as his grandpa, and then he's assassinated. Now he becomes king. Thank the Lord 
for Josiah's mother, Jedidah. Because somehow, somehow in that setting, Josiah was raised knowing the Lord. Somehow he was raised in the fear of the Lord. He ended up being faithful to God his whole life, in the words of Scripture, walking in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. So thankfully, someone passed the fear of the Lord on to Josiah. His fathers did not carry out God's command for fathers to bring their children up in the fear of the Lord. So friends, let's, let's not let that be our sin. Let's, let's not let that be our mistake, our failure. Those of you who are parents in here today, our greatest purpose in life is raising our children to know the Lord. Is raising our children in the fear of the Lord, to know who God is, to know how much God loves us, to know what God has done for us, and to live in such a way that thanks God. And we, we raise, by, by the way that we live our lives and, and how we teach them. Okay, let's prepare our children. Because you never know what God might ask them to do even early in life. Josiah became king when he was eight. How many of you remember being eight? Any eight-year-olds, stand up. Any eight-year-olds in here, stand up. All right, just give us a little bit of thank you. And some of you are almost nine, I, I understand, Moira. So, all right, you guys can sit down. How many of you remember being eight? Now, if, if you would have made me king when I was eight years old, I would have declared that schools are going to have recess all day long. I, I would have declared that, uh, that, that kids no longer have to eat vegetables. They don't have to like to eat like squash and beets. I would have signed into law you know, with my large printed signature with the backwards J, don't mock me. I would have signed into law that there are no bedtimes for kids. I would have made sure that girls and boys stay separate because we want to stay away from cooties. Christmas, we would have Christmas four times a year. Um, dessert after every meal. As much pop as I wanted, I wouldn't have to share that can with my brother. And we'd no longer have chores. You, you get the idea, right? An eight-year-old is not prepared to be king of a nation of people. And yet that's exactly what Josiah was asked to do. You get a little bit more details. On, there's a parallel account of this in Chronicles, two books over, Second Chronicles, where it, it, it kind of outlays his life. When he's 16 years old, he, becomes, he, he grew strong in his relationship with the Lord. At age 20... He starts, at age 20, he starts purging Judah of all that idol worship, smashing those altars. Uh, he, he took that, those Asherah poles out of the temple. He tore down those high places. He removed all of that stuff, basically began reforming his nation and bringing it back to the Lord. At, at, at age 26, then, he starts collecting money for uh, the, the renovation the, and the restoration and, and the... I guess, the purification of the temple. Now, now the temple had really fallen in, into uh, disrepair and defilement after years of neglect. Um, if, if you go back, if you follow your way back through 2 Kings, about uh, 12 chapters back, um, you'll see that the last time the temple had been repaired was 250 years earlier by another young boy king named Joash. So it had really fallen out of repair. So, 
during that temple renovation. They're in there repairing the temple, fixing it all up. It's a mess. And during that temple renovation, there's a, a, a very unexpected discovery. There's an unexpected discovery. That, I mean, they're having extreme home makeover going on in there. And underneath all the rubble and, and the debris and the mess, the high priest Hilkiah finds the Bible. The book of the law. Okay, that was their word for the Torah. The first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, that was their Bible at the time. He finds the book of the law which had been lost, and he sends it to Josiah. You see, um, over all, in, 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 what was it? In Deuteronomy 31 tells us that God told Moses to place the book of the law, and it would have been scrolls, the book of the law right next to the Ark of the Covenant. But somehow, during, during the ungodly reigns of the kings of Judah, during when the temple's being defiled with all those idols and, and all of that stuff, that book was lost. No one had read it in years. Like, like, the, like the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages, which, which did not allow the Word of God to be read in the language of the people. And so it, it goes to Josiah, and now for the first time in his life, this God-fearing king is hearing the Word of God being read to him right out of the book. And what was his response? It affected him, right? He tore his robes. He, he humbled himself because of what those words said. And, and he wept in the presence of the Lord. He was hearing the word of God. So then he sent officials to find a prophet to ask God, what should we do? All right? And they found a prophetess named Huldah. And her message from the Lord basically confirmed that, yeah, um, God is going to come and bring disaster on these people, on this land. All right? but, but God would give Josiah, he would give him protection, he would give him peace during his reign because he had a responsive heart when he heard the word. So there's the summation of what we took there and looked at in chapter 22. October 31st, that's this Thursday, is Reformation Day, Right? It's Reformation Day. It's, it's that day that we remember Martin Luther pounding those 95 theses onto that church door in Wittenberg. 95 theses, 95 statements that basically say that we have lost the essence of God's word. During Luther's day, during Luther's day, the, the Bible was also a hidden treasure. It, it, it had been, it'd become a lost and unused book. People did not have access to it. People could not read it. People did not know what it said. And so through Martin Luther, that truth was rediscovered. And, and, and then the Bible was put into the language of the people so they could hear it in their own language, so they could hear it, and, and so they could hear it being read and understand it. All right? Um, and so that once again, the, the good news of salvation, free salvation, through faith in Jesus alone, could once again be proclaimed to people, could once again be proclaimed to us. It was a wonderful, unexpected discovery. 
I've run, into, I've run into many people who have all kinds of opinions about God, about who He is, about what He's like, and about what His Word says. But often, you know, often uh, just a few quick questions make it very clear that they've never read it. Have you? You all probably have all kinds of opinions, thoughts, beliefs about God, about who He is, about what He's like, about what His Word says. Have you read it? Do do those ideas you have come from the fact that you have read God's Word? Do the beliefs you have about God, have you arrived at those beliefs because of the evidence you've discovered in His Word? Or just because of something that you once heard someone say? Or is it just kind of what you've gleaned from, you know, what the media has said about religion and Christianity? Or maybe more, more likely, is it, is it kind of the, the fruit of a, a bad childhood experience with church? If so, then, then you're operating like those Israelites without a Bible. So, get it out. Open it up. Dust it off. All right? Take a look at it. Um, there's a woman who wanted to impress her pastor who was over visiting. And, and so during the visit, she, she says to her little daughter, Honey, hey, go and get that book that mommy loves so much. Wouldn't you know it, the little girl returned a few minutes later carrying the new catalog for the bay. That one didn't work for her. What place, what, what priority does the Bible have in our lives? Is it the book that we live our life by? Is it the thing that makes our heart beat? Or is it kind of a, you know, stuffed with keepsakes and gathering dust somewhere in the corner of the house? I think more than we would like to admit, um, we, we, let our Bibles get, we let our Bible get lost and, and dusty. And, and so we, we miss out on what it has to say to us. We might even keep it in a prominent place in the house because we want other people to know that's what we're about, that's what we believe, that's, that's who we are. But if we're not opening it, it's not helping us, is it? Is the Bible that you're holding, holding in your hand right now the first one that you've cracked this week? Because if so, I I can tell you right now, before you and I even sit down for that counseling session together, I can tell you right now why things are difficult in your life. I mean, the what might be all all kinds of different what's going on, but I can tell you the why. And maybe some of you are sitting here going, well, I haven't cracked my Bible in three years and things are going just fine for me, Pastor. They won't be for long. Look at, those, look at the kings of Judah. Go back and read the rest of 2 Kings. Look at how it worked for them. They decided early on, we're going to do this our way. We don't need God's help. We're not going to go about it His way. We're going to do it our own way. And it didn't go well for them. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not like some good luck charm. This is not like some you know, good luck charm that's going to bless your life. Well, if I just read my Bible a little bit every day, then I'm not going to have any problems in life. It doesn't work that way. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lifetime of growing in the Word, 
as I'm in the Word daily, as I'm in the Word, um, the more I'm in the Word, the more I get to know Jesus, the more I become like Him, the more mature I get. And, and, and the more His words and His answers are with me. And so, yeah, along the way, I'm going to make some better decisions. I'm going to make some less selfish decisions, some less foolish decisions. But I'm going to have struggles like anybody else. But here's what it does. It gives me what I need to meet those challenges. It keeps me connected to Jesus so that I have that hope, so that I have that comfort. It helps me through those things. And so when you come to me and now things are blowing up and you need counseling, if you haven't been in the Word, we're going to start off right off the bat. I'm going to tell you why it's happening. Because until we're strong in the Word... I don't have an answer for you. I don't have hope. And here's the truth. The enemy is after us at every turn. He wants to drag us down. He wants to take us away from God. He wants to make our lives miserable. And there is one thing that centers our lives on him, on Jesus. There is one thing that centers our lives that gives us hope and comfort. I came across this ad. I would like a job as tutor, teacher, and advisor to your family. I will never take a vacation. I don't drink or smoke. I won't borrow your clothes or raid your refrigerator. I will be up in in the morning as early as anyone in the house and will stay up as late as anyone wishes. I will help solve any problems your children might have. I will give you the satisfaction of knowing that no question your children ask will go unanswered. For that matter, I will never answer any of your own questions on subjects that range from how we got here to where we headed. I will help settle bets and differences of opinion. I will give you information that will help you with your job, your family, and all of your other interests. In short, I will give you the knowledge that will ensure the eternal success of your family. And I work for free. I'm your Bible. Do I get the job? Let's not let our Bibles get lost and dusty. When Josiah heard this lost book read to him, if it wasn't the first time he heard it, it was as if it were the first time he heard it. I mean, look, it, the thing knocked him over. He tore his robes. He wept. He, he humbled himself. He began a national reformation. Friends, there are times in our lives, there are certain times in our life when certain portions of God's Word hit us in a whole new way. I know that many of you have, have experienced this. So it's, it's not like, well, I've read the Bible, I'm done now. No, there are times in your life when hearing God's word, I don't know if Josiah had heard these words or not, but if, if he hadn't, it was like he was hearing in a whole new way. And there are times in our lives that we hear something like, whoa, it hits us in a way that it never has before. Um, you've heard it, you know, because you've heard many things before. You've heard it before. God wants parents to raise their children up in the instruction of the Lord, knowing the Lord. All right, you know that. You've heard that. But now all of a sudden you have children. And you have children, and then one day you realize that your children don't know the difference between Jesus and Ronald McDonald, and it hits you over the head like a hammer that you failed big time. And if you have robes, maybe you tear them. I don't know, you, you cry or something, but it hits you like with guilt, like Josiah. Or you've heard that Jesus died on the cross to take away all your sins. And he rose to life again to assure you that you and God 
are good now, that you are on a good standing with God, and one day you're going to rise again. You've heard that. But then one day, you're at a funeral for a loved one who died. And now that truth that you've heard so many times before fills you with a joy and a wonderful feeling and a wonderful comfort that you've never had before. It knocks you over with joy because you know you're going to see them again. Or you've heard before that, that um, God loved us while we were still sinners and that there's no sin too big he can't forgive. You know that. But then one day, you've messed up. You know, you've committed one of those sins you know, that you can't tell anyone about, one of those that you feel that no one could ever forgive you for. One of those things, just kind of the life-ruining type of guilt. And then you hear the truth that, wow, you are still a sinner. God loved you. That, that, that no sin you've committed could take you away from the grace of God. That, that when Jesus died, every, every sin of yours was there. And God loves you right now for exactly who you are. And now that truth hits you in a whole new way. King Josiah was hit by a portion of God's word. He had been read a portion of God's law. And, and a, a portion that, that pointed out that God expects perfection from us. And Josiah and his people had not lived up to that perfection. The same way the law hits us today, like a mirror, the law shows us our sin. Okay? It points us out to the fact that we can't fix ourselves. <laughs> we have all failed, but we can't fix ourselves. We need to go to him. We need to go to the Lord and ask for His mercy and grace which He wants to give us. We look to God for His grace. So, Josiah, he sends for some advice and help, which, by the way, is a very good idea. Okay, When you have questions about God's Word, take those questions about God's Word to someone who can help you understand it and to someone who can help you um, apply it to your lives. Great reason to go to your small group Bible study. All right, Great reason to talk to your Christian brothers and sisters. All right, so that's what Josiah does. And Huldah says, you're right, disaster is coming because God's people have rejected him. But, Josiah, you are going to be protected because you repented, because you asked for forgiveness. You're going to be protected from this disaster. So, we have this merciful God. We have this merciful God, one who saves us, not because we've been perfect. No, he saves us when we come to him and ask for forgiveness for all the ways that we haven't been perfect. God is looking for humble repentance. He's not looking for perfection in your life. I, I, want, you to, I want you to take this home with you today. You can't fix you. You cannot fix you because you are the problem. God is the solution. I can't fix me. I'm the problem. God is my solution. All right, so Josiah gathered all the people and they were all there from the least to greatest. No excuses. They were all there and the word of God was read to them. And King Josiah rededicated his life to the Lord and so did the people. 
Josiah just, Josiah wanted the change that God had made happen in his life, happen in the lives of all these people. He wanted to, to lead them to repentance. He wanted, he wanted all of them to hear the word of the Lord, just like he had. He, he wanted all of them to hear the word of the Lord from small to great, rich to poor, same as Martin Luther did. And that's why Luther translated the Bible into the language of the people so that they could hear it, so that they could be brought back to a God who loves them. God's word is still here today. We we can read it in our own language. This is the greatest treasure that we have. Don't let it get dusty. Don't let this be the last time you hear it until next Sunday. Get into it at home. You can do that. Each one of you can do that. Um, Go to your small groups. Go to a small group. Study with other people. At the very least... At the very least, take this sheet, this homework sheet, and go through it. Go through it with your family. Go through it alone. Each of one of you is equipped to lead a Bible study. You know how I know that? Because you can read. It's right here. Take this. Go through it. The first question, read, you read the text. The first question, what good news do we hear about young King Josiah? He grew up knowing the Lord. He, somehow someone shared that faith with him. How is it that he walked in the ways of his father David? Well, we know David was sinful. We know Josiah was sinful. But he trusted in God to save him. He, he repented. All right? And that's how, like David repented. And that's, God loved him and God forgave him. So that's why he was walking in the ways of his father David. Hmm. Gathering what we can about Josiah's father and grandfather, what insights does that give us about bringing up our children? Oh, that you can get into a great discussion now, right? Or look over on the connecting page. Have you ever let your Bible get dusty or lost? Yeah, I have, unfortunately. Um, what happens when we let our Bibles get dusty? All right, you guys can do that. You can do it. You are equipped. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let that word dwell in your hearts. Get into it. Last point. Why? Why do we read God's word? Why? Because we want to see Jesus. And how do we see Jesus in his word? I think our reading from John 1 helps a little bit. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him... Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then at the end, you you see the Word, that's Jesus, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Friends, Jesus is the Word. Where do we find Jesus in the Word? Jesus is the Word. The Word, Jesus, is how God communicates to us. You had the other one from John 5. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. Jesus is the center of the Word. That's why we're we're looking at Him through the lens of the Old Testament. Jesus is the center of the word. He is the word. So if we let our Bibles get lost and dusty, we're missing out on the word. We're missing out on Jesus. And without Jesus, we have no hope. 
So Jesus sometimes gets lost in, in all the crazy, underneath all the craziness of the world. We fill our lives with so many things, don't we? And, and um, sometimes there, there, there's so much clutter and debris in the temple of our body and our life that Jesus, the word gets lost underneath it all. Where do you see Jesus in our Second Kings reading? He's, he is the word. And the word was lost. There was that temple where God's presence was to be got so filled up with idols and clutter and debris that the word, Jesus, was lost, covered up by it. And when we fill up the temples of our body and our life up so much with so much clutter and debris and idolatry, sometimes it covers up the word. It covers up Jesus. So let's find him, all right? Let's find him. Let's not lose him. Because in Jesus, in Jesus, we have the forgiveness of our sins. We, we have hope. There, there's no sin you've committed too great. Jesus has forgiven you. There, there's, you. You can't become a person who God doesn't love. God loves you. Jesus died to take your sins away. He rose again to assure you of eternal life. That's what you have in Jesus. It's free. There's nothing you have to do. It's yours. That's the good news. So can we rededicate ourselves today? Like King Josiah did. Let's stay connected to Jesus. Let's stay connected to the Word. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.